blaming other people, angry, ready to act on that, God approaches him in his moment of personal denial, and he's going to confront him. In verse 6 of chapter 4, God says this. It says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? God seems to do right here what I've learned over the course of my life that I cannot do. Uh, I've, been, I've been married a long time, which has given me a lot of opportunities to uh, do some things well, and then other times there's other times, right? And so uh, there are moments where my wife will come to me and say, I don't feel like you're paying enough attention to me. And I have been known at times to say, this is easy to fix. Change how you feel about it and everything will be fine, right? And, and when I say I've, I've done that, I've done this multiple times because when it didn't take the first time, I thought maybe it was technique. And so I would try a different way of saying it, right? I can, I can tell you from a level of experience, it doesn't have a good outcome, right? It doesn't have a good outcome to say, just change the way you feel. Now, as a society, we've kind of accepted this thought, this idea that you feel what you feel. It is what it is, and everybody kind of has to deal with it. And so you talk to somebody about how they feel, and you don't try to change that. But God takes a different view of this. And I think he's going to give us some insight. Because part of the problem with Cain is he elevates these feelings that he has past something that's healthy. And God says, listen, if I could provide perspective to you, I'd like to. And so um, the insight that we find here, I just want to be careful. It's not so that you can go to your friend or your spouse later and say, well, now I have the tools to help me properly say to you, change your feelings. That's not the point. The point is we respond this way to God. God, this is the way I feel. There's nothing you can do about it. And God's going to suggest there is. There is. So he's intercepted. He's intercepted Cain. He questions how he's feeling. And then he gives him a warning. This is in verse 7. We read this last week. I'm going to read again out of a literal translation that helps you get um, what God's trying to say to him. He says, if you do well. Your countenance can be lifted up. But if you don't do well, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. It's a cool warning, and it's what we're going to focus on here today. But it also feels a little cryptic. Like what in the world is being, the desire is for you, I've got to master it. What does this all mean? How do we figure this out? The fact that it's written this way is a gift to us. It's supposed to make us go, man, I don't, I don't quite understand. I want to understand what's happening here. And if you would start to dig into it almost immediately, if you were referencing around other sections of Scripture, you would be pulled back to Genesis chapter 3 where something similar is said. It's not identical at all, but it has enough pieces in it that you would go, man, these things have to be related. And, and when it's... When it's like that, it's not a coincidence. There, it's purposeful. 
And so we want, I want to just take you back and I want to show you what happens. Um, Adam and Eve have made their decision. They have elevated their desire above the word of God and made their choice. And now God is looking at them and saying there's consequences that you're going to have to face. And he's going through the consequences with each one. And in verse 16, he starts talking with Eve about the consequences that she's going to have to face. And he says, to the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. I know some of you are sitting there thinking, thanks, Eve, that was great of you. I, I don't know about you, but I didn't think it was that bad. I did, I did get a sore tooth from the ice chips that Tracy didn't want anymore that I was sucking on. But other than that, it seemed to be just fine, right? Okay, this is for Eve. Yes, her part of it, maybe that was tough. It goes on, it says, and with painful labor, you'll give birth to children. But then this is said, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Similar, but definitely not the same. What's similar? Well, there's two ideas in there that are connected. You can see desire and you can see rule. There's something going on where they're somehow related. And if we could understand that relationship, we'll be okay. Uh, most rabbis would say, look, we got an analogy on our hands here, and you got to be careful with an analogy. Because if you go too far past the narrow scope of what the analogy wants, you'll arrive at some crazy stuff. And people have. In Christendom at times, people have read these two and said, oh, look, the sin that's crouching at the door, wanting um, Cain, is analogous to Eve. Eve must be like evil, women are bad. Like, wow, that was a leap. I'm not sure that was meant for us to get there. I think it's something else. I think it has to do with desire. And that's the question. What does Cain's desire have to do with Eve's desire? Is there anything at all? Um, as, as what kind of dug into this, I found that rabbis wrestled with this for a long time. And then um, they found... I'm just going to tell you what they said. You can decide if you like this or not and if it makes sense to you or not. But they said, listen, there's two types of desire that we see in the world. When people talk about desire, generally what they mean is that you've got this, this glass half full kind of mentality. And when I say I need something or I want something, it's about this lack that I have in my life. That I somehow need this filled to feel full. And so I'm expressing this lack. But there are some desires, some desires that are different. They don't come from a need of, I need this filled. They come from the fact that it's overflowing. I need to do something because it's spilling out of me. And they said there are four things. I, I, when I understood it, when I understood what they were saying, I think there's more than this. But at the time, they said, we think there's four things that fit this picture. God's need to create. Rain's need for the ground. Eve's love for Adam. And Cain's desire. Now, God, you might understand. Like, okay, when God went to create, 
did he create because there was something lacking in him that caused him the need to create? Or was God so full of love, so full of goodness that it was spilling out of him that his need was to share that and that need became this life-giving thing for the rest of us? The fullness is this life-giving thing. And they said, this is why it makes sense with rain. Rain doesn't need the ground for any reason at all to be what it is. But it goes to the ground because it produces life. Said, listen, we think this happens with Eve's love too. And here's how they, here's how they would explain that. They said, when mankind was created, what did God take from mankind? A rib. And so when mankind goes and searches for love, it could be argued that what they're looking for is to fill a hole in their life that's been left by God. They're, they're, they're in need of the feminine for them to feel a sense of fullness and wholeness because of that. But when Eve was created, what was taken from her? Nothing. And so they've argued that what happened is when Eve decides to love, she is giving out of the fullness of her heart. She was, she was that's why um, you'll see more nurturing kind of nature in ladies. And maybe you're, uh, again, I know our culture has changed and we get all offended by this kind of stuff, but I think it's pretty easy to look and see that it seems like ladies are more inclined or more desiring to marry than guys are. Why? Because the need from fullness is stronger motivation than a need from want. And so they have this desire to give life, to be a part of that. And so this kind of pours out of them, which all of this is cool. Until you understand that Cain's desire is on the list too. Why is it there? How could it possibly make it on the list? Well, it's this simple. Cain's desire is part of God's design in your life and mine. And it's a gift out of fullness to you. It spills and pours into your life to motivate you, to drive you, to make life engaging, purposeful. It's a God-given gift. Can you imagine life with no motivation, no purpose, no meaning? You just are existing but God comes along and says, listen, I'm going to give you this thing that's going to pour into your life. It's going to be really great for you, but there's one thing that's going to require. You're going to have to rule over it. Now, when you back up and you consider Eve, Eve had this love that would give life but the scripture suggests that she's not always going to master that. There's going to be mistakes. Adam's going to rule over it. He's going to make choices, aim it, make decisions with that love, how, how it's understood. And she is not going to always use it well or right. And it will cause messes for her life. And here we have Cain facing the same situation. Cain, 
I've given you this incredible engine, this incredible gift called desire in your life. It crouches at your door, and you're so angry right now. If you're not careful, you will elevate the way you feel over anything else, and you'll make horrible decisions. But there is a choice. You could rule over this. You could listen to my words, heed what I say, and stop. What did God ask him? I just want you to do good. I want you to approach me with gratitude. I want you to approach me with love. I want you to approach me with devotion. If you could just get your heart right towards me, then all of the stuff that you're feeling right now, all of the fear that's well overwhelming your life right now would subside. But you have a choice to make. Cain, what will you do? See, it's just flat out true. Desire was never the problem. It was whether Cain was going to exercise his responsibility to rule over it or not. Was he responsible for the choice that he was going to face? Or was everybody else to blame? And if he could tag it on to everybody else... And he was going to do what he was going to do. And this is what we see. Brother walks into a field and kills his brother. I mean, honestly, do you think that he thought it would go that far? Think that it was his plan from the beginning? And yet, this is... What happens when the desire that God gives you, which is a driver, it's a good thing in your life, gets moved to the top of the heap for how you make choices and decisions. When your feelings are more important, God says, listen, your perspective is off. I can ask you to change the way you feel because you're looking at the situation improperly. And if you would get a right view of the world, the view that I'm offering you, you'll be better off. What I love about this story, the fact that God intervenes in that moment and says that kind of stuff to him, I think is more reflective of the experience that we have as people. God sends the Holy Spirit to be with you, to intervene in your life in moments where you're about to cross a line, whispers to you. There is a different way to feel about this. There is a different way to think about this. There is a different way. And you and I, my friends, we get to choose. I tell you, if I'm um, frustrated about one thing, it's that when I read this story, these first four chapters of Genesis, the person I identify the most with is Cain. I get him. I get, I get the fear that he feels at times. I get the sense of um, anger that it's not going the way he wants. I'm, I'm driven like Cain. I want to build a kingdom too. And so I can get off on a tangent and mess that up. Identify with Cain because I too have had God interrupt my life at times. 
had him interrupt with the Holy Spirit that says, hey, what are you doing? I've had him interrupt by reading the scriptures and seeing something in there that just makes me uncomfortable. And I know God is speaking to me. I've had him, I've had him interrupt my life through the voice of my wife. And I tell you what, when I'm upset, I don't like to hear that voice. Right? That's, a, that's the last thing you want is somebody that's that close to you getting it right. But it happens and it's a gift of God. And Cain had that moment. Before his choice, before his decision, God stepped into his life and said, Man, if you would just change your perspective, you don't have to burn this whole thing down. If you could get this right, return your heart to me, Choose to follow me with devotion. Choose to act with gratitude for this partnership that we have of you growing stuff. If you could just get that right, you don't have to do this. And I think I identify with Cain because I've had those moments and I've done it anyway. God has gifted you out of deep love a river of stuff that pours into your life called passion. There's different things that you're going to be passionate about. But listen, important. You are responsible to put boundaries on that that honor God. And when you don't, you will burn your life to the ground and you might burn others down in the process. And the question is, is that going on anywhere with you right now? Has, have you allowed a passion in your life to oversize your decision making? Like this is what you're listening to. This is what you're going to do. This is how you're going to do it. And you've quieted the voice of God. It's not, it's not too late. It's not too late to turn around and stop and come back to God with a heart that's full of devotion for him. But you get to choose, just like I do. I hope you'll make the right choice. Can I pray with you? God, I think about I think about my own life when I see Cain. I'm disappointed that that's the case, but I think I've felt what he's felt. I think I've wondered, why aren't you stepping up, God? I think I've been in those moments where your voice has been communicated, and I just reach for the switch to turn down the volume. God, this morning as we sit here, I just ask that people would be willing to offer their hearts to you right now. That if you have to, if you have to intervene, if you have something to say, that instead of turning your voice down, we'll actually listen. This thing that you've given us, 
desire. It benefits our life without us ruling over it, without us putting boundaries, without us saying, God's word is ahead of my desires. I'll listen to him first. Things get messy. So I ask that you would help us to be honest with where that's happened. To make choices to, re to return back to you. To honor you not just out of obligation, but out of devotion. God, may you stir people's hearts because Cain's story is our story. And if we want a different outcome, we're going to have to choose to listen to your voice and to respond. So give us the courage, the courage to identify ourselves in the story and to respond in a way that honors you. In Jesus' name, amen.